So I think what you're starting to see is, is I think companies are wanting to be more local, like regionalized, where they can get people in if they need to have a all hands. I do think the toothpaste is out of the tube. And if you have tried to put toothpaste back in the tube, it's, it's next to near impossible and incredibly messy. And, and I think that's where we're at. I'm proud that Nashville's working together as a community to try to ensure that we're cultivating talent locally and that we're supporting that talent nationally. We've seen how Nashville's grown into the thriving tech hub that it is today. Now, we're looking at what kind of tech jobs are available in Music City and how companies are getting creative in hiring tech talent. Hi there, I'm Clark Buckner, and so excited for this conversation today on this episode of 10 Years, 2000 Journeys. We're talking with Beth Hogue from Trenesis and Taylor Dessen from Vaco to discuss how they've seen the hiring landscape change over the past 10 years. We'll also dive into some creative ways they're sourcing talent for their companies and clients while remaining competitive in Nashville's growing tech community. Hello, my name is Beth Hogue. I'm the President and Chief Operating Officer for Trinisys. I've been in the tech sector for more than 20 years, and I'll leave it at that. Hello, hello. My name is Taylor Dessen. Um, I work for Vaco, and uh, I've been in the Nashville market for 10 plus years, um, and my focus is recruiting engineers. I love it. Taylor, Beth, welcome. Thank you for spending some time. All of us together here in the studio are going to be talking all about the tech hiring landscape, how it's been changing over the years, where it's at today, where it's going. And I just, I feel like both of you are just some of the best people we could have on this topic. Welcome. Thank you. Beth, how about we start, and I'm going to get out of the way here, but I'm going to get you all going here. But Beth, I would love to start with you, though. Just, you said 20 plus years in tech. And how have you seen the tech hiring landscape change in Nashville over the years? In your own words, where was it? Where is it today? What are a couple of thoughts you have? Yeah, so in the early years, it was really interesting because we were hiring the same tech talent from every company. So, Like a battle it, of talent. It was absolutely a battle. Like if you knew someone good, everybody knew them, and then they would. everybody was recruiting away from each other. There wasn't a huge pool of talent, and there was a lot of opportunity to get the best talent if you could differentiate yourself from whatever that was, what was ever important to that person. So in the early years when um, I worked for insurance companies, it was challenging getting top tech talent to work for insurance companies because that's not as interesting as maybe working for a software company. So we had to use different strategies there. And then um, when we started Trinisys in the early years, it was quite challenging because we were a startup. Mm. So getting the best talent and, you know, convincing uh, team members to come join us was hard, but also we had a different culture. So we had, you know, that fun startup culture that really attracts different people than an established company would. So we were able to get some really good talent in the early years. And as we've grown, we've just had to really adjust what that looks like. So when we, before COVID, we were in the office and um, culture and the way we interacted and all of that was really important. And it was really a defining piece of our recruitment. And as we went to all remote work, it completely changed the way in which we interact with our team, 
what we're looking for in terms of hiring, where we're looking to hire, and how we're getting um, the best talent, which was not necessarily just Nashville once we said, okay, we can do this remotely. I think you all know, like throughout COVID, the opportunity for the team to come back to the office was not really on the table if you wanted to keep the best talent and have that flexibility. So it really opened up the market for us across the nation, but it also changed the way we had to look at how do we engage our team? How do we keep them part of that Trinus's family? How do we make sure that we're providing them that same level of engagement opportunities, ability to have FaceTime with management, maybe that they don't work with on a day-to-day basis. So it's been really interesting to watch it change throughout the years. Yeah, I want to do brag on you, Beth, and Trinisys. I mean, yeah, it started off as a startup, and it's become an award-winning company, NTC Awards. I've, I mean, I've seen you throughout the years all around the community, but you all have been recognized as one of the, the best companies here in town. So congratulations. What you're doing with tech talent, attracting, retaining, it's working. So we're going to talk more about that soon. So now, Thank you. of course, shifting over to Taylor, what are your thoughts on this? You've been here 10-plus years Vaco, a huge company, doing great work in town. What have been some of the things you've seen change over the years? I mean, it's just like what Beth said. I mean, I, 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 I don't want to be like, yeah, same, and just shut my mouth. But honestly, same. Um, I, I, I think, you know, pre-COVID, uh, I think all cities across the country were very, it's just segmented. Um, you know, you are very, very focused in your local market, and you can kind of get some tunnel vision. Um, I think tunnel vision happened with salaries, um, especially across the South. I know there's FANG salaries out there, but I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about what I call kind of like the one below FANG salaries. And, you know, cities could kind of dictate what they would pay because we were segmented, right? Everyone needed to be going to office. And so that completely got its, you know, roof blown off on that perspective. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I, I think now it's it's definitely a remote first global um, workforce, um, which is good and bad. You know, I, I um, you know, talked about this recently on one of my interviews, and I'm I'm so glad I'm, I I don't have to moderate here. Well, um, you do an interview every single day. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and and I was having this conversation with somebody, especially about junior developers. And again, and we're talking about National Software School here and the ten years um, with them, which is incredible. And, and and I'm a huge fanboy as well for NSS. And actually, I'm speaking to them next week in their data cohort. But you know, um, it's it's. It's opened up the pool, but I think it's it's allowed junior engineers to probably get more of a look now than they ever have because I think companies are – they understand now that trying to find a senior developer is even more difficult than it ever was. Um, because, you know, originally you can just like, you know, you can go down the street since we're all in the same city and be like, knock on the door, be like, I want you, I'll pay you a little bit more. We have a better culture. We have a better, you know, brand locally. Well, now that doesn't that, – that's harder now. So what I would say is, is, is it's actually helped specifically junior developers in my perspective kind of open up the fun a little bit and find new opportunities. Both of you, great points. But remote, of course, is like a huge focus I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. That has changed everything. So as you start to think about trends like remote working and other things that you're seeing, what do you think – the next couple of years are going to look like. Are we staying on? Are we staying? Like, is this here to stay? What if you had to make some predictions of where we're going as it relates to some hot takes? The tech hiring landscape. What are your hot takes? Well, um, so we were we built out beautiful brand new space that we were moving into in 2020, March of 2020. <laughs> 
So perfect timing. It was perfect timing. Yeah. And you know, as a startup, we had space that was great and fun, but it wasn't like beautiful show place space. And we were so excited because we built it with our team and collaboration in mind, and had a lot of like walls that would open, and we could get together and Sounds collaborate. Sounds wonderful. It's beautiful. So the team has never moved in. Um, we have spent the last several years looking at like do they want to come back doing surveys? And then we realized that they didn't want to come back in force, so we sublet a third of it. Because, I mean, it's a valuable asset. We don't want it just sitting there. And it's brand new. So we sublet a third, and then we did some more surveys, and we sublet another third. And now we just kept the collaborative middle space for our Nashville team so we can get together. We're having a party there this afternoon, a Halloween party, trick-or-treat with the kids. Everyone can come by, get together. It's open, and you can reserve space and come up there and use it as you want. I would say it's not used nearly as much as I would have thought it was going to be used. So... I'm interested to see next year. So once we've been home for several years and you start to get, are people going to get that itch? Do they want to start going in and collaborating? Like that's been what we've been kicking down the road, I think, for the last several years as we keep anticipating this drive to come back and not seeing it. And I, and I know I got yelled at by the Uber driver. I didn't get yelled at, but the Uber <laughs> driver in Kansas was upset with me because the Cerner parking lot is growing grass and why were the Cerner employees not coming back to their office? And I was like, I, I, I don't. I don't know. Um, like Maybe I'm, that's somebody from Cerner, not Cerner. I was like, I'm not from Cerner. I yeah. don't know what they're doing to drive yeah, sir, people to come back. Yeah. But then, of course, T-Mobile. Well, and T-Mobile wasn't coming back in their parking lot had grass. So, yeah. what was what was that saying about coming back to the office and the workforce and our culture going forward? If you can't, like, if giant companies can't drive people yeah. to come back to their office. I think it's I think it's a fascinating trend. You know, I so my team specifically focus on focuses on talking to remote first engineers for remote first job opportunities across the country. So we, yeah, but I also preface too on anything I speak on or speak at that I'm only one recruiter, right? My team is only one team. Uh, we only see a sliver of the pie, um, pumpkin pie. Um, because that's my favorite. Um, so actually not really. It's more of like a chocolate pecan pie. If you've had those, those are my favorite. That's, that's not the point of this conversation. But anyways, all that being said, um, so, we, so we see what's going on. Um, and also too, I have some good friends in the market that I actually ping often. I'm like, hey, what are you seeing? Because like with me and my role, I have to kind of, I try to have a 360 view of the country because I, cause I gotta know where things are heading and it's been a mixed bag. So I'm starting, um, one of my friends has hit me up this week and was like, it's weird, I'm starting to get hit up with a lot of hybrid opportunities. And, and so I think that's interesting. I'm starting to see companies go, well, like for example, I talked with a company um, out of Florida the other day and they're like, well, you know, they can be remote, but if we had a preference, it would be Florida first, then East Coast, then the rest of the country. So I think what you're starting to see is, is I think companies are wanting to be more local, like regionalized, where they can get people in if they need to have a, all hands and you're not having to fly people all across the country. Um, I do think the toothpaste is out of the tube. And if you have tried to put toothpaste back in the tube, it's it's next to near impossible and incredibly messy. And 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 I think that's where we're at. I, I, I think will it ever go five days on site again? Never. But I think it's got to, it's, and I think it puts even more emphasis on managers. And I know we're going to talk about retaining talent, which I've been fascinated with, which is why I created my own podcast, Guidance Counselor 2.0, a little, little, little plug there. But um, basically trying to, to figure out how to lead remotely has been incredibly challenging um, and, and a learning lesson for me. And, and, and I think it's, it's definitely based off 
team and team structure and what people want to do. Because there's some people at Vaco that like want to go back in the office and that's great. I live 45 minutes, you know, uh, north of the office up in Hendersonville. And, you know, I, I, we had a daughter during this and, and, you know, I'm able to be at home and, and run my business and be with my daughter. And, you know, I, I, I think, and that's incredibly important too. So I think it's actually listening to your employees now, I think is how to retain talent. Um, but I think I'm skipping ahead a few bullet points. So no, this is great. I love this. Yeah, it, and it's opened up a, a world of opportunity to hire the best tech talent 100%. for the job. So now when we're looking for new positions to fill, we open it up across the country. We, we interview across the country, and then we have two tracks, right? Ways to engage with our team from a complete remote standpoint, ways to engage with just the remote team, and ways to allow the t- people that are still in the team that's still in Nashville to come into the office if they want to. So like the party we're having tonight, we also had one on Wednesday with the remote team. And then every every time we do that, we bring in different people from the leadership team that maybe they don't interact with. And they do things together so that they're not just, if they're on my team, they're not just seeing me or if they're on other teams, they're getting to see, you know, the CEO or our founders or whoever it might be, but everybody gets to interact with everybody in those smaller groups, which I'm hoping is resonating with the remote team. It's hard for me to know if everyone is loving every opportunity because not every person is going to want the same interaction or the same environment. So, well, yeah. And, and, and I'll, and, and I think, I think Beth, you make a great point. I think it's, it's so individualized now. And I think as, as IT leaders look to scale their organization, I think you need to bring in more middle management, at least my opinion, because I think everything is so individualized now that I think trying to run a team of 10 people remotely is, is going to be very difficult and, to cus- and also to customize those individual needs. And so my, from a staffing, again, my staffing mind would be like, you know, instead of overloading your managers, hire more middle management, break them up, and then they can be, they can come up with what works for their team. Um, you know, but I still think what Beth said, like my business is fully remote, but I'm here in Nashville doing a podcast. There's still importance for companies to be present, right? There's still importance for Trinisys to be out in Nashville, to be doing community, to build community, to build brand locally. That will never go away. It will never go away. So, you know, my, my advice to, to IT leaders in any city you're in, you need to build brand and build community. I'm more, pa- I'm a, I'm so passionate about community right now. It's, it's, it's absurd. I'm a little, I'm a little over the top when it comes to it because you can build community. It just takes so much more intentionality, which goes back to not putting too much on the plate on, on, on middle management. Why well, not? You both are community people and to brag on you for, you know, shifting from Beth to you, Taylor, you also an award winner, uh, NTC's Tech Influencer of the Year. Am I getting that right? That's right, yep. That was really cool. So, oh, I, I love how you're describing this 360 view, and that's part of your story. And both of you bringing so much value today. I really like this. When you think about the tech jobs that you're seeing that are available now that maybe weren't as popular or maybe weren't even around a couple years ago, what are you seeing and what do you think that means for the future? Web three. No, I'm just kidding. I just said that. So like the whole podcast will blow up on the internet. Um, I think if you should take that clip, that sound bite right there and just post it, people lose their damn minds. So basically, um, you know, I, I, I think, well, what's crazy is being in Nashville. I've seen a shift in tech and I actually made a post about this the other day. When I started in tech, it was like .NET web forms. It was like core Java. It was like legacy tech, right? And it was very much like, I need a .NET developer with these skills. It was just very, very like, it was very narrow. 
Now what I'm seeing is, a, is an emphasis on polyglot a mile wide and inch deep. It used to be a mile deep and inch wide when it comes to recruiting talent. Now what I'm seeing is, um, is hiring managers just wanting good engineers that can solve problems. It doesn't really matter about the technology and, and you need that because the, t- the war on talent is just so difficult right now. Um, I also think too, like open source is king. Um, Python, and again, this is me on a national level. You know, Nashville is still a heavy .NET town, um, but from a national perspective, you know, Python, you know, Ruby, open source. My team is recruiting on like ten Ruby roles and like ten React Native roles right now. It's crazy, and like I haven't recruited React Native in in years, and like all of a sudden it's like back in vogue for some reason. So, um, uh, so all that being said, yeah, definitely a push to open source. Definitely a push to polyglot engineers who can just solve good problems. I was mostly interested to hear what Taylor oh, okay, is seeing because go. he he sees more than I do. I mean, obviously, we hire for very specific roles yeah. at Trinisys. I do see, um, and we do a lot in data, so I go to a lot of conferences and other events that talk about data and data scientists are a new role that I find very interesting in the market, um, not only from our our company's perspective, but also what what we can do with data and how the co- community is coming together around that, and then we're bringing technology to bear. Yeah, there's, there's definitely a push towards <clears throat> at least what I've seen. I'm not recruiting a ton of it, but AI, ML, yeah. all those buzzwords, you know, I still think people throw around those terms. They still don't know what it is because mm-hmm. um, it's just hot and you can get, you know, sexy talent in the door. Um, but I definitely, you know, I, I keep hearing, I think TikTok really changed the game on so many levels from a content marketing perspective, from a, from a backend technology perspective. Everyone's now trying to chase TikTok's algorithm. Right, I mean that is what they're known for, um, and uh, you know I'm starting to hear other companies like, well, we got to get to the algorithm that TikTok has, right? You see, is it um, Dolly, the the AI automated uh, picture thing that's out, right? You can type in words and it creates like an AI generated picture. Like again, I think AI is definitely moving that way. My buddy who runs my content, um, Brandon Arve, Brandon seventy eight. He, he sent that to me today and he goes, I wrote these three paragraphs with AI and I read it and it was like, good. And I was like, what, what did you plug in? He goes, I literally just plugged in the title. So like we're heading that way. Um, but again, I, I think it's still balancing, especially leading organizations of you got to put the human touch in tech. Mm, I'm loving it. I, I love the AI take too, because it is just Things are changing so fast right now. Yep. The technology, the the talent, everything is changing so fast. Beth, I have a question for you that as we're changing so fast, any thoughts you have? I mean, you're out, you know, you're recruiting your talent and you and you gotta retain this talent. You know, you've been growing this company with your team and things are going really well, but we've experienced a lot of changes. Have you what has worked well for you for keeping this team engaged? So when we went home and went remote, we really had to focus on how do you engage with this team and how do we make sure that we keep that culture. And, you know, the, re- the reason a lot of folks have stayed with Trinisys for more than a decade is the culture and the family and the feeling of that you're doing something that you're passionate about and you enjoy that work. But you also do it with people you enjoy and you have fun with. So when we went home for COVID and you lost all of that natural ability to get together and do things as a team, we really had to start focusing on how do we make it the same great place to work, 
but remote. And I think we realized that you can't make it the same. Like you can't just keep doing. Taylor's pointing. He's preach. Yeah, he's giving you some. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we did the same thing everybody did. Like Friday afternoon, because we used to have a like happy hour every Friday afternoon in our office. So we thought we'll have Friday afternoon on a video, right? It was horrible. Like I felt like one of my colleagues and I were doing like a stand-up routine, trying to keep everyone engaged. How about while, that drive-in? Yeah, like well, how 50 people were staring back today. at you. Yeah. Jesus, stop. <laughs> Pulling people out, but it really wasn't um, a good collaboration event. Like people we're, were all just to, trying to figure it out. Yeah, yeah, we were trying to figure it out. So we played some games and that was more fun. But then we realized like we really needed to be more focused on how are we engaging with people that are that can be in person? How are we focused on engaging with people who can't be because they live in, you know, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan or they live in Miami? We're not getting them together all the time. And we looked at different ways to engage. And we, we had the opportunity to, to have a new hire on our HR team. And we purposely found someone who was not only great at all the areas we needed from like a strategy perspective and where we wanted to go um, from an employee engagement um, perspective, but also who had experience working with remote companies before the pandemic. So we could take that advice because we really don't have that experience and had always had, like we had one or two employees who were remote. We were horrible at engaging with them. Like we forgot to call them. We never had our cameras on. They never got the opportunity to speak. As, as freely as the rest of the team. And we really wanted to make sure that as we built the team, we continued with our culture and our core values were present. I don't know how our team would rate us. I do know that we make an ep- opportunity to speak to everyone when they're hired and we try to give that same like walk around feeling. Um, I realized I used to do that on the first day. That's, I mean, they have nothing. They're like, hello, thank you, yes, no, I, it's been fine. It's been five minutes. So yeah. I try to do it a few like weeks after they've started. So they have opportunity to give feedback on how did it go? Was it good? What could we do to improve? What, what things did you like about the onboarding process? What things would we do better? I don't know if it's work. I mean, that's what we're trying to do. I yeah. would love to, like the the team to be honest and say, do, do this, don't do that. And I feel like we have a transparent organization where once they get to know us, they know you really can be, you really can tell us how you feel. You really, we really do want to know the truth. Here's the deal though. She said one word that I love, trying. Mm. And I think that's so key right now. I did, so this topic we're on right now, I could, if y'all are strapped in, we can go nine hours because like I am, I, I am so passionate about this because same here, right? Vaco, we were fully, fully on site for the eight years I was there, right? Uh, never had worked a day remote unless I was sick or I couldn't come into the office because of traffic when that tornado came through. And so COVID hit and of course we did exactly the same thing. We tried to replicate the in-office at home and you just can't. I mean, you just can't. Like, I, I think that's one thing I'm super passionate about is like it, w- remote culture is not the same as in-person culture. Um, what I've realized with my team, and I'll just say some things that we've done with my team. First off, onboarding, incredibly important now. It is the first taste that somebody's gonna get with your company. Um, I actually got dinged in just full transparency. Uh, we, we had a gentleman leave. Uh, my team, um, and I always take it personally because that's just who I am. I, I take everything personally. I'm in counseling for that's a whole nother conversation. So, but basically, um, you know, took it super personal that this this guy left. And, and this guy, I asked, I was like, hey, I did an exit interview. I think exit interviews are incredibly important right now because you can truly and like actually listen, managers, like don't do an exit interview and like have your own agenda, 
right? Like actually listen to the words coming we out do of the. Every, we do those. I love it. I love it. Again, you said that key word is trying, and so I know you're doing it the right way. And so, but but the one thing we got dinged on was onboarding. Um, this guy that left goes, you know what? It was just a little wonky. I really didn't know what I was doing. I was like, well. I don't know if we can curse, but I was like, well, damn. Um, I was like, I was like, we need to fix this. And and so, you know, me and um, I'm very thankful for Morgan Martin and, and Sloan Bartley. Um, they kind of like, we all kind of like grouped together and like created an onboarding document. I mean, we're super grassroots. I'm super thankful. We're kind of like a startup within Vaco. So like Vaco's our VC and like we're this startup trying to make it work. Um, and so, you know, I think that, I, I think what we've done is, is, is people just want to, uh, people just want to know they're a part of something. So I do one-on-ones with everybody on my team every week. <clears throat> um, I went away from that. I tried to go every other, and the team got back to me. Some people told me and said they they, they don't feel as in, um, integrated. So I went back to every week. Um, we have a Monday morning meeting where we don't talk about work. We just literally hang out. I said, hey, how are y'all weekend? You know, our guy in Denver got snow this weekend. And I was like, build a snowman for me, right? We literally just got on the call, 15 minutes, nothing crazy. We do talk a little work at the end, but, you know, allowing people to mm-hmm. just hang out. And, and I think... To wrap this up, to wrap up my long-winded answer, I think I think what I've realized is people want to be paid fairly, people want to feel heard, and people want to have balance outside of work. And I think if you can provide those things, I don't think you have to I don't think companies have to try as hard as they think they do. I think again, I think it's the listening, it's training your managers to listen, it's being really open to feedback, being able to pivot quickly, and then giving and then don't bother your people after five o'clock on a Friday. Like, I think there's some pretty simple boundaries to put in place um, that that can really um, take your organization to the next level remotely. It's good. Both of you, again, just bringing it. I love how that theme of trying is just, hey, giving an honest approach, really trying to recruit great talent, but take good care of them. I love this. So both of you. So any other thoughts of on this theme of trying, of finding creative ways, new approaches to sourcing great tech talent maybe it's in nashville or beyond any any other thoughts we've not hit on yet i'm really proud of nashville as a community because even before the pandemic we knew we had a problem with uh talent and having enough talent to meet the need that we had and i think we've come together nicely as a community to say where are the different levels that we can engage to do that so because I think NSS great from uh, like building junior talent and getting that out there in the market. But you, you can't get junior talent on your team if you don't have senior resources to coach and mentor them and help them be successful. So how do we get enough senior talent if we can't produce that organically in Nashville? We have to go outside of Nashville. We have to recruit people to Nashville to fill that need. And of course, partnering with our universities to get that other level of talent. So I feel like we've done a really great job of saying these are all the different levels of talent we need in our community. And these are the different strategies that we're going to implore to bring that together and then work together as a community to make that happen. So we are supporting every level of talent because senior talent, a lot of senior talent wants junior talent to mentor. And if there's no junior talent, then they're just kind of at this level and they're, where do you go? What do you do? Would you just keep not having the opportunities probably you want to grow in your career? So I appreciate the fact that Nashville does that together and that we all kind of have that same eye on let's recruit really great companies to Nashville so that they bring opportunity for talent to come to Nashville and let's welcome them into our community and not, you know, we could have a different approach. Like we don't want anyone to join us. They'll take our talent. That would be really detrimental, I think, from a 
adding not only from our economic standpoint, but also from a building the community and talent pool. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and, you know, for me on the recruiting side, I always challenge my team to think differently. I think there's so much group think when it comes to just staffing in general, um, which is why a lot of people hate us. Um, and so, you know, for me, you know, we're taught day one in the recruiting industry to do dice, indeed, career builder, monster, LinkedIn recruiter. And I just became so disenfranchised with all of that. Um, I always ask why, like, like, or is there something else we can do? And so, now, you know, I think there's a huge emphasis on Discord and Slack communities across the country. Um, a lot of my recruiting team is involved in Slack channels in Chicago and Boston and San Francisco and involved in Node.js channels that are just completely remote and you just have a bunch of 100,000 Node developers in, in, in a Slack channel, right? And, and for me, you know, we've created our own Discord channel, my team, because again, my team's re, uh, responsibility and what I'm so passionate about is building community across engineers across the country. So we have a Slack channel or Discord where it's literally all we do is post our jobs, right? Because what's the one thing you always hear from, from software developers is that they are constantly tired. They, they don't know where to go to look for jobs. Right, half the job postings are fake. Half the jobs recruiters send them are fake. So, so what I've realized is that does is job seekers and, and 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 candidates need kind of this northern light, and and that's what I want to be. But like we we look at all different things. Polywork is is, is a great profile. I actually interviewed Peter Johnson on my podcast about what it is, and 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 they've they're really really pushing like community driven you can join like these groups on Polywork, and there's there's you can post, and I actually would post. From a trenches perspective, you can post jobs on disc on, on Polywork and, and and have like open to collaborate and and so they're really good at building community. We're looking at um, recruiting off GitHub um, because that's where all the engineers are um, because because you can search profiles and see what they do on GitHub. We're looking at Stack Overflow. We're looking at um, uh, Slack, like I said, Slack and Discord. Um, so yeah, we're and, and and social media. I mean, like literally, I have found. I mean, my my entire career the last two years has been has been built on the back of Twitter and LinkedIn. So I've not made one outbound sales call, um, and uh, I've been able to find um, CTOs, CIOs, VPs of engineering on LinkedIn. I had a VP of engineering slide in my DMs this week. Um, he's from Nashville, um, but he was like, hey, I want to hang. You know, I see your content, um, and I uh, want to talk to you about what it looks like from a global perspective. And so again, I, I think... Companies need, I'm such a, a brand content freak at this point because as an introvert myself, um, going to meetups terrify me. Um, going to conferences, it's really hard. I love speaking, but don't put me in a room with a bunch of developers because I'll cower in the corner like all the rest of them. And so um, what I've learned through content is, is you can scale your brand, you can scale your voice to the public, um, which is what I've done. And, and, and I would encourage brands to do the same thing. I like the tips, of course. Thank you for those notes there, Taylor. And Beth, something you were saying that I think stood out is this creative approach that Nashville has, more of a collaboration, and you mentioned NSS, and a lot of that comes from people like both of you all going and speaking to the students and finding you know, junior talent, they want to be mentored, and a lot of senior talent, they want to have folks to be mentoring. So I loved that shout-out to NSS. When you think about you know, what, what are you excited about having something like NSS right here in our backyard, trying to home grow talent? Do you have any other thoughts, either of you all, about what, what that's, and what that impact has had, you think, in the community and what kind of, you know, we just, NSS just graduated the 2000th student, but 
Beth, what you were saying is like there, there's this community aspect of like mm-hmm. us all working together to support that. So any thoughts as we're starting to wrap up our conversation today, which I've so loved, any thoughts you either do you have around that? I think if I um, continue with the community thought feel on NSS, I think there's several companies that take NSS graduates and then help really mentor them into this is what your role will look like in a company. So companies like mine that's maybe smaller and not able to support a lot of you know, really junior talent, we're able to partner with these other companies who are taking them to the next step and refining their skills and getting them, you know, to where they need to be so they can join a team like mine. Um, And then I think they're able to grow within that based on some of the skills they learned at NSS, but then at these other companies where they're taking it to the next level with this approach where they have you know, mentors and guides throughout their first assignments to help make sure they're on the right track, doing what they need to be doing, because they do learn different skills than you do from a traditional um, engineering program at a four-year college um, or university. So I really like that um, they're able to take that to the next level and then provide that talent to um, companies like my size. But also I think there's, we have so many large companies in town that are able to take talent straight from NSS and really integrate them into their teams and help them grow within their career. And if they want to stay there, which a lot of the companies in town, people stay for a long time and really grow their career there, they have that opportunity. We have... um, one of my, um, fa- I, I love all of our employees, but we have an NSS grad um, that joined our team and um, has really, you know, c- throughout the years c- continued to improve their skills and grow within our team and is a senior um, engineer now and really great and came from a completely different background, which most of them, I know most of the students there have um, had a previous career in something completely different and just really fun to see how they've embraced that and grow yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think what NSS is doing. So I say this when I speak there. I said, I said, aside from the curriculum, aside from the teachers, aside from anything else, I think the one thing NSS has done is create community. Um, and again, I'm going back to the community, right? Because like, and one of my tactics that I tell students at National Software School to do is like, listen, I would network with every single uh, engineer who has a job. I mean, obviously you can network with folks in your um, in your cohort, but really tr- try to get out there, try to meet people um, at the Eventbrite's, at the HCA's that hire junior devs so you can learn how they went about that and like what those people look for. Um, because um, because what NSS has done is, is create an incredible brand name for themselves. Um, everyone knows who they are. They co- consistently put out great talent. Um, and then, you know, I think right now, I think it's, it's even more important for NSS to keep doing what they're doing because, um, because of the globalization of talent, it's just, it's, it's, it's hard to retain and find top engineering talent. And so you have to open up your pipeline. And if we're talking about building diversity inclusion within organizations, which obviously I'm very passionate about, you, you need to look at some non-traditional ways, right? Are you partnering? You know, I'm all about keeping your candidate pipeline full through the entire interview process and even before your interview process. So are you in universities? Are you in trade schools? Are you at code schools? Um, you know, I, I really try to like, we have, you know, on one of my podcasts where we have a uh, Jackson, Mississippi code school come on, you know, I, I think code schools are incredibly important for the community that they're in um, to supply top engineering talent, young engineering talent that, that, that can be grown and matured within organizations. Hey, this has been a great time. I've really enjoyed it. I feel like you both have brought so much love for this work 
that you have dedicated your careers to. So with that said, are any final thoughts or you feel like we this is a good moment to start landing? You feel good? I mean, I, I would say my final, final thought. Final thoughts. Yeah, final thought is, you know, for hiring managers in companies to realize that um, hiring isn't as hard as you make it out to be. It's really not. Um, that you still have to move fast right now because top engineering talent still goes out the door. Literally, my team and I closed a staff engineering role yesterday, and this guy had two other offers that we held off for. Um, so hiring still moving. It's still going quick, especially for the good engineers. So you got to move quick. Um, and then for job seekers, I think go out and be fearless, right? Send the DM to a hiring manager at a company you've always wanted to work for. Um, you know, ask, ask for a call, ask for an interview, ask for the raise. Um, just go out there and be fearless because the ones that the, the job seekers that are fearless um, and, and the individuals who are fearless in their career and not afraid to ask are the ones that succeed the most. Those are great final thoughts, Those Taylor. Are great thoughts. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, Taylor. Beth, what do you think? What's on your mind and heart? I think I'm very proud of Nashville as a community and the way we come together as a community to, to really solve the um, we're not going to solve it. I mean, we're going to continue to need tech workers at a pace that, um, as technology evolves, that's going to be challenging. But it, it, I'm proud that Nashville's working together as a community to try to ensure that we're cultivating talent locally and that we're supporting that talent nationally. That's great. Good. All right, my friends. Well, thank you so much again for coming and hanging out all together in person. A lot of great themes here. Looking forward to our next hangout session. We're going to have to do this again soon. I love it. Let's do it. It's fascinating to see how just a few years can make such a big difference in the hiring landscape of Nashville's tech scene. From jobs shifting in popularity to new roles appearing that maybe weren't there five years ago, it's all just a reminder that Nashville is a great place to grow a tech team. If you're looking to grow and develop your own tech team or talent pipeline and would like to connect with Nashville Software School, visit their website at www.nashvillesoftwareschool.com. And thanks again for listening. I'm Clark Buckner, and this is 10 Years, 2000 Journeys, presented by Nashville Software School.